Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. Folks, last week we shared together about the man named Adam, the first created man. You remember the story? What ended up happening is Adam was created by God. He was created out of the dust of the earth. And out of that dust, God breathed in, and that was basically, if you you followed along with what we did just a few moments ago, we were singing a song about God breathing in to you and me. And as we breathe, what we are doing is echoing the breath that God put of life in you and me. He breathed into Adam life, breath. Adam was, was created by God and, and lived his life with a simple command of God. You are to go ahead and be the overseer of all that I have created. That was his job. You know the story. The Bible says God looked at Adam and said, you know, it's not good that you're by yourself. It's just not good. You ought to have a helper just like all of the other animals in the created order, you should have a helper too. You're lonely, Adam. Whether you know it or not, you are lonely. And God gave him Eve. And I shared with you that joke that a seminary professor shared with me. Yep, guys, we're made out of dirt, but girls are made out of prime rib. And he takes a rib out of Adam, and as Adam is, is resting, and he puts him in a deep sleep, and he creates and forms Eve. And I shared with you that the word for Adam in Hebrew is the word, is the word ish. And the word for, for woman is, is a derivative of that word, isha. It is, it is the equivalent of, in language of being able to say, okay, that is exactly like me except with differences. And as, as Adam was created, the Bible says that they, they, they fellowshiped with God. There was unbroken fellowship with God, but it is broken by sin. You know the story. And that sin is the sin that Adam has passed down to you and me, and we carry it on. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be sharing about some of the great Bible characters that you and I have, have read about in the past have heard about in Vacation Bible School. Maybe if you're involved in the Gospel Project right now, and by the way, if you're not, if you were like me when I first came and started attending a Baptist church, I came from a different church background, but we didn't study the Bible as intensively as Baptists did. And so I kind of felt like when my, when my friends, the pastor, Billy Weber, would say, turn, turn to the book of Isaiah, and I did the fan method of turning to Isaiah. Most of you all that have been around uh, a Baptist church know you start in the middle of the, of the book and you're, you're going to hit Isaiah. For all of us guys, we started doing this. That's the fan method of finding the, the right book in the Bible. And when I found the book of Isaiah or when I found another book, I remember thinking around all my friends that were around here pretty well knew what it was before they got before I got there. And if you are that person or if you need to know more about the Bible and would like to learn about it, we have a a Bible study class for everyone in this room at 9.15 on Sunday morning. 
and it is called the Gospel Project. And basically we start from the front of the Bible and in three years we'll end up at the end of the Bible. And you will get a chance to learn some of the great and relearn some of those great stories about the Bible. We're going to be talking about one of those guys this morning. And his name is Abram. Abram. And it's interesting that that one of the one of the comments that God tells Abram and changes his name from Abram to Abraham is he tells Abraham, you need to count all the stars. Count all the stars in the skies if you can. And it's almost as if God gives him a challenge. This is a story about a person who is just like you. He was very important to God, but others looked at him and would have remarked, Eh, so what? He had a strange family. Abraham's father was a maker of idols. His nephew married the wrong gal. They fought amongst each other over sheep. Abraham's Abraham's family was messed up. They fought over sheep. Sheep, folks. You're going to fight over something. You You ought to fight over something better than livestock. And then they ended up in the middle of a town that God chose to rain fire and brimstone down on later. Abraham also was put in some very strange situations. Abraham has to split up from his relatives because of the sheep. And sometimes God has to get you and me away from others who we listen to in order for us to listen strictly to to him. Abraham married the love of his life. Sarai was a beautiful was a beautiful woman according to the Bible, and Abraham loved her. And everything he everything that he had looked for in what would have been a stable family seemed to be working out for him until one very important thing happened. They found themselves childless. Imagine the fears. Imagine the tears, the prayers, the hopes that were crushed, the talk among the neighbors, the insanity of a strange family seemingly to haunt Abraham and his wife. He gets away from one strange family situation and now he's put into another. But I want to share with you good news. God had a plan and a promise. We're going to read this this morning as God teaches you and me about Himself and the promises that He is giving to you and me. This story is found in Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. Let me invite you to stand. We read God's Word together and we stand we stand to honor the reading of God's holy and perfect Word. Read with me. After this, the Word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. And then the Lord came to him. 
This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. May God bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. Okay, so what did you get out of that scripture? God promised Abram he's going to end up being a dad. But not a dad by some kind of strange way of concocting a family. That's not what he said. He said, your own flesh and blood is going to be your heir. Your own flesh and blood. Now guys, listen to me. That's going to come back, and that's stuck in, in Abraham's mind because that's going to come back later on, and he's actually going to throw that very same word back at God. Hey, you said this was what was going to happen, and in reality, I've already got that solved and settled, God. God has a plan for you and me, and that plan that he has for us is this. When God gives you his word, you can absolutely count on it. When he gives you his word about something, you can count on it. Most of us in this room have lived long enough to become skeptical about things that you've seen. A detergent that will clean anything. An insurance company that is cheaper than any other and advertises with pigs, cavemen, and camels. God doesn't have to do theatrics to announce His Word. It announces itself because it is true. When you and I hear or read God's Word, the Bible, it is a simple message that announces to you that God loves you. He wants you to be be with Him in heaven. And He demonstrates that love by paying for your sin and mine on the cross. His promise to you and me can't be recognized until we take our final breath. That's actually the time where our faith becomes sight. However, everything God has said in the past in His Word has been true. And so what you and I are actually basing our faith on is the truthfulness of God and His Word. Now the Bible says that God sent His only begotten Son and John's Gospel says that in the beginning there was the Word and the Word was God and the Word was with God. And that same Word you and I have now in a written form that God presented in a living form. When God speaks through His Word, you and I understand that there is in fact truth. Guys, I'll share this with you because Abraham ended up getting his promise. But he did not get the specifics of his promise. This story that is about you, it is a story that when we read this, it not only echoes in our life, but we understand that when Abraham gets this promise of God that you're going to go ahead and have descendants and there'll be more than you can count in the sky, that promise 
does not always come with specifics. Now guys, some of you in this room, if God were going to go ahead and give you a promise this, this morning, you would want not only that promise, but all of the surrounding technical details about it. Some of you would just be happy to have the promise. All right? Let's take a poll. How many of y'all would just be happy with, with whatever God says is going to be a promise that's going to be fine with you? Just raise your hand. Okay, great. How many of you, like me, want everything spelled out? Yep. Abraham and Sarai are those kind of people. God promises things to you and me but doesn't always give us the specifics. You can almost hear Abraham saying these words, Great! I'm going, to be, I'm going to have a bunch of descendants, but God, have you noticed a few things about me and about my life? I'm a little old to be a dad. I'm in my 70s. That's a little long in the tooth. Don't you think? I'm not getting many amens from 70-year-old men right now. I better hear an amen or something bad is going to happen, all right? Amen, 70-year-old man? There you go. It was a lazy one, but we got one anyway. Abraham not only told God about that, but he also tells God, hey, have you managed to look at my wife? Sarah is getting up there a little old too, but uh, it's not nice to talk about age with women, so let's just pass that one by. And then he said one more thing to God. There are no bright prospects on the horizon right now of how this problem of me not having any children is going to get solved. So God, you can tell me, and I believe you, God, because you are God, and because you are all-powerful, and I'm not, and I choose to believe you, and I'm going to have all of these descendants like the stars in the skies, just like you said. And it's a great promise. But God... I'm not seeing it. I want you to know that you and I can not only trust that God and His Word is true, but we can trust that God already has a solution to every single challenge you will ever face in your life. God already has a solution. Now please hear this. This is not putting a theological stamp on a life, your life, that right now you may not see a strategy to get out of whatever problem is facing you this morning. Well, just trust God and you'll be okay. That is really easy to say for a person that is not facing a critical issue like you are in your life. Really easy. Matter of fact, it smacks almost of spiritual arrogance. But the real truth is, God already has that solution in His plan. For Abraham, these were all hindrances to what God had promised. Sarah and Abraham decided instead to help things along by working a biological solution rather than trust God had already provided that solution. Hagar, Sarah's handmaiden, was sent in to do the job. And according to the Bible, she did. But remember back when we talked about, about Abraham coming from a strange family situation? 
Well, he ends up inheriting another strange family thing that plagued him. It's almost as if you hear that coming back with the, it's back. Mm -hmm. The strange family comes back. Hagar disliked Sarai. Sarai resented Hagar and her son Ishmael. It ended up splitting up the family. But that's another story for another sermon. Anytime you and I choose to get ahead of God, we risk the chance that we cause more problems in the future rather than solving the one that we see in front of us right now. God already has a plan for your life. The real adventure that you and I have as Christ followers is discovering that plan, abiding in it. By the way, abide means I'm in it, it's in me. Discovering God's plan for your life and then getting into it and letting God get into you through it, abiding in it and enjoying the marvelous sovereignty of God and the journey. By the way, if you read that scripture again in in Genesis 15, 1 through 6, you'll see that that Abraham actually talks to God and he he calls him by that very word, Sovereign Lord. You know what sovereignty is, all right? Do you have a sovereign? I'm not talking about a little British gold coin. I'm talking about a sovereign. A sovereign is the one that is your absolute boss. Do you have one? Those of you that, no, don't look at her. Do not look at her, guys. No, no. A sovereign is the one that is the boss over every area of your existence. We only have one. It is the Lord. It means that He has the right to take any part of you, anything that you do, and place Himself as the boss over that area. That's sovereignty. He can become boss over all things. That solution that God had to trust that he already had Abraham's problem solved is one that suddenly Abraham and Sarah decided to help along. Because of Abraham, because of Sarah, the fact that they got ahead of God, you and I and the world even today still suffer the consequences of their sin. It has caused a fuss that affects you and me in the United States, in Texas, and in Navasota today, and will, uh, and will continue to affect us until, until God becomes the judge over everything. Because what ends up happening is that Ishmael and Hagar, his mother, are cast out. Remember I told you it split up their family? They're cast out in the middle of a desert. Guys, I want to share with you this. Out of Ishmael comes a genetic line. Okay? Everybody with me? Nod your head. This is important. There comes a race and a genetic line. Who is that race and what is that genetic line? I'm sorry? The Arab nations. You ever notice that the Arab nations and Israel don't really get along. Ever noticed how 
the United States and the former Soviet Union used to get kind of cross-haired over that. Oh, by the way, we still do. That fuss that is going on there was a fuss that carried out because Abraham and Sarah decided to get ahead of God. Guys, that's why in the generations following Abraham, from Isaac to Jacob, they have family issues, each one of them. Those consequences of that sin echo down generation to generation. By the way, that's in the Bible. Let me share with you, there is a solution to that genetic, spiritual genetic inheritance of sin. It is this. You stop that inheritance by renouncing it and giving it completely and yourself to God's leadership so that you won't repeat the, the same mistakes of your past. I have a child, an adopted child, that has struggled with an addiction. His birth parents struggled with that same addiction. If that child has children, they will inherit what geneticists now say is a proclivity towards that one type of addiction. Let me share with you this. No one in this room is born addicted to anything. There has to be a willful volitional choice that you will engage in a practice that is unhealthy and that because of our inheritance can cause problems. Do you understand this? But if you never take the first drink, you don't face those same issues. Gee, talking about drinking in a Baptist church sure got everyone focused and quiet. There's a joke about that. Baptists love to recognize each other except at the liquor store. Guys, if there is a problem that is passed down generation to generation that is a sin issue, it can be dealt with by God. He has that solution. You see, the truth about God is that He will work in you and through you and around you in order to keep his promise. He will work in you to keep His promise. He will work through you to keep His promise. And if necessary, God will work around you. Here you are trying to solve God's... God, you want me to go ahead and be a daddy? That's fine. I'm going to go ahead. If you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and solve this problem for it. God, go out for a cup of coffee. I'll take care of this one. It's a little problem. It's only a child. <laughs> you had a baby like little Ezekiel recently. I have been told Levi and Levi and Jessica have volunteered to allow anybody in this church that wants to have a, a little child for one 24-hour period. We can do that, can't we? Yeah, 24 hours with a baby. All right? I see some of y'all shaking your heads no. I see some of the ladies in here going, oh, heck no. God's solution, guys, listen, God's solution is one that incorporates His will. 
Abram and Sarah's solution was to go ahead and send in a surrogate to have that to have that child. When in reality, although surrogacy is a wonderful thing, it was not God's plan. You see what what God now had to do was to work around Abraham and Sarah's solution. They thought that they were done. They thought, okay, we've already got this problem solved. But the problem persisted. As a matter of fact, in chapter 17, Abraham gets his name, a new name, Abraham, and Sarai changes her name to Sarah. And when that happens, God then says that he will give her a son, not just a child, but a boy. So I've got a question for all of you here this morning. How many of you all that have ever given, guys, guys, you and gals, how many of you all knew the gender of your child before they were born? Hold your hands up. Okay, all right. All of them? Knew all. How many of you all did not know the gender of any of your children until they were born? Notice they're all my age and up. Yep, just, oh, you, what, okay. Matt and Lauren are back there. Hey, that's awesome. All right, I'm getting to you. I'm getting to you. God's plan is not just a plan to go ahead and say, hey, you're going to be a daddy. His plan to Abraham was, you're going to be a dad, and it's going to be a boy. Now, guys, there's a couple of problems with this. Boys don't make children. We don't have that ability to function, to reproduce on our own. What ends up happening is that as God speaks to Abraham he says, my solution is to send you a son who is going to go ahead and have children of his own. And the descendants are going to pyramid out into this vast wonder of my glory. God's promise is so specific that he leaves nothing to chance that you and I would get it wrong. Abraham tries then to bargain with God. And he says these words to him in chapter 17. He says, I have a son. His name's Ishmael. He will do. Just use him. God says to him that his promise is specific and not an add-on. Guys, when God gives you a promise, that promise is for you. It's for you. Stacy and I struggled with this very issue. We prayed for children. Before we ever got married, we, we had decided, you know, we talked about adoption. Yeah, might be something we'd want. Yeah, might work out. But we were going to go ahead and start our family in the good old-fashioned American way. Can I get an amen? Yep. And it just didn't happen. Again and again. And we face the tears and the pain of that. But God had a plan. And it wasn't to send in someone else and it wasn't to go ahead and make a family when I was 76 years old. 
like Abraham. God made a way. <clears throat> the very afternoon that Stacy and I had gone to the doctor and found out, in fact, we were no longer pregnant, I went back to my office at Azalea Park Baptist Church in Orlando, Florida, and on my desk was all of my mail. There used to be, in Texas and in all the Baptist states, they had a state newspaper. The Texas state newspaper is called the Baptist Standard, by the way. It's online. Florida is known as the Florida Baptist Witness. And on the cover of the Florida Baptist Witness was this fellow that I had briefly gotten to know at a church planting conference, and his name was Earl. I just, it was a random meeting. It's kind of like one of those meetings where you go in and you say, hey, hey, my name's Tony and I'm Clyde. Hey, how you doing? And then we don't see each other for a while. But I remember what you look like, you remember what I look like. That kind of a meeting. And here is Earl on the cover of the Florida Baptist Witness holding a little baby. Okay? And the baby is about two, three years old, somewhere in there, little girl, and the byline underneath says, being a daddy again. You see, Earl and Peggy had already had children. They had two boys. The boys had grown up. They had already been married. They, they already had their own jobs. They had their own children. And Earl was a he worked for the Sunday school board in Nashville. And as he's, as he's asleep one night, God woke him up and said, you're going to be a dad again. Now, Earl is more my age now than your age. And so what he does is he reaches over. He's so excited about this word from God. He reaches over and he grabs Peggy and he says, Peggy, Peggy, God said I'm going to be a dad again. And she looks. At, she kind of is laying there and she goes, Nice try, old man. Go back to sleep. Figure it out. It'll come to you. The next morning, a missionary from Finland came into his office and said, do you know of anybody that would be willing to adopt a little girl from a country called Latvia? They don't do adoptions there. It's culture, culturally not something done. Out of that, in a long, circuitous route, a little over nine months later, we landed in Orlando, Florida with our two children, Victor and Anna. God has a solution, folks, for your problems. We adopted Victor and Anna. We later adopted domestically our daughter, Caitlin. I share those things with you this morning for you to understand these, these words. God gave His Word. And He is faithful to that. He is faithful to His Word. And when you give God your Word, make sure He has all of you too. Make sure that He has all of you too. Don't just believe in God on Sundays. There are six more days to live that out. The same thing that applies to your job, your family, your money. God is either Lord of all of you or not Lord at all of any part of you. 
This is the place that God gives you the choice. He gives you that choice. So what, God, what has God in fact promised you this morning? He's promised you His love. He's promised you a plan for, that, that will get you out of your sin and will get that sin forgiven through Jesus Christ, His Son. He's promised you another chance. You're here today hearing about your another chance. That is a supreme act of love on God's part towards you and me. I have one more chance to say, God, I want you and your solution to my life. And God gives you one more promise, and that is an abundant life, not an ordinary life. Abraham's life was anything but ordinary when he got on God's agenda. And guys, this brings me to, to, to a saying that many of us have sometime in our past maybe had these words echo out of our mouth. God said it. Whether or not you believe it, it is already settled. You remember the bumper stickers back in the 1970s and 80s? God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Guys, that's a lie. That's not true. If God says it, it is already true. It's going to happen. This is reality. God has said it. And guys, this isn't for me to pound into you. If God says something, you have to believe it the way Clyde believes it. God wants, listen, God wants to speak to each one of you separately and apart from Pastor Clyde. I cannot get you into heaven. But Jesus Christ's death on a cross was a death on the cross just for you. And just for you, you have the ability and willingness to go in and say, I accept your solution to my sin. You've been given a great promise by God this morning that you can be with Him forever. I'm going to invite you to take God at His Word, His living Word, Jesus. Abraham ends up, let me share with you the, the end of the story. Abraham ends up having these two children, Ishmael and Isaac. When he's told by God in chapter 17, Sarah's going to give birth, Abraham says to God, God, I'm 100 years old. He was actually 99. He said, Sarah is 10 years younger than me. You're telling me <laughs> she's going to give birth? <laughs> the word Isaac in Hebrew, you know what it means? Laughter. How would you like your child to be named something that you did before God that you really don't want to be reminded about? God in His love gave them Isaac. The laughter, that word, it's corruption of a word. It really, instead of, instead of meaning just laughter alone, it means almost like a <laughs> guffaw. But the laughter turned to joy because God's promise is always true. He wants to give you that joy this morning. And He offers up the grand 
divine solution to what you walked in here with. Let him have it. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for Abram, this incredible man who you loved and even through the many times that he struggled in faith and faithfulness, you still made a plan to rescue him and his family and bring us to this day where we could talk about him and you use that to reflect to our own life. Father, I believe that there are some here today that need that first step in a relationship with you, that take that next step in their walk with you. Some here for the very first time to say Jesus Christ solves and is the solution to my sin problem. Some to say this is a place I can plant my life and serve you. And God, that solution that you provided is a holy one and must be, a, and must be respected as that. Help us in the next few minutes. If you are calling our name to answer yes in this time of decision, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The close of every one of our services, we have a song that is sung that is an opportunity to go ahead and say, I choose to follow God in the next step in my life. This is that time. For some of you, it would be to confess Christ as your Lord. For some of you, it might be to say, I want to plant my life in a church family, and this is that church. During this song, if God is speaking to you about that decision, I'd love to pray with you. It will cost you this. It will cost you listening to God, and it will also cost you the steps from where you're seated to this place. We publicly announce our confession of our faith in Jesus Christ. If He could publicly die for us, we can publicly stand for Him. That's why we do this. I'm going to invite you to stand together. God is speaking your name, calling you to that next step. You come as we sing.